There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. That means you. We've had a lot of author interviews recently, and we have another one coming up later this week with author Brad Bollier. Hey, look. Next week, you probably won't say it that well. I probably won't pronounce it as well because I'm terrible. I am terrible. I am but Brad, terrible. Brad, in case you're listening, she can do it. He's a really good sport. He's he put is. up with he's me. Really I think nice that's guy. probably the fourth or fifth time he's had to listen to me butcher his name <laughs> in the past three years. I uh. notice sometimes that your pronunciation gets better the more ale you drink. <laughs> I'm actually drinking beer right now that Tom kind of bought me. Um, Tom was very kind to give me a gift certificate to something that I thought was spam or thought was some kind <laughs> of phishing kind scam. Of, it was kind of spammy looking right <laughs> This is not an ad, by the way. I'm just telling you where you can it find these out things. It wasn't spam. It was beer. It was AmazingClubs.com. Your <laughs> ticket to monthly clubs of your choice from hot sauces to beer to wine to wow, bacon. Really it commercial, though. It's pretty fun, actually. Uh, so I picked the beer club. And so I'm getting for um, uh, three times this year, I'm going to get a box full of beer. Nice. And yeah, I'm really excited. So right now I'm drinking uh, Ipswich Ale, the original ale. Um, brewed in in uh, Massachusetts, by the way, I believe. No, in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Yes. Easy for you to say. It, it that is actually easy for for me to say because having lived in Massachusetts, I know how to say all the weird town names. They're not weird. <laughs> They're not weird. I'm sorry, that was offensive. They're not weird. They are just difficult. They are uncommon for, for many outside of Massachusetts. Say. That's right. And they have spellings and that are don't seem to be related at all to how they're pronounced. Intuitive spellings. Yes. Are Not like anything? Greenville or Pocahontas. Those are the two towns where I grew up. Yeah. We had, no, we didn't. Well, we have some, we have some crazy names uh, in Illinois. Crazily spelled names. Again, oh, yeah? I should say, yeah. Are you, are you drinking anything? No, I'm going to be brutally honest. I just didn't feel like drinking anything. Okay, that's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, you didn't <laughs> even do dry January. No, I'm doing dry February 1st. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm waiting for Groundhog Day just to see, like, should, do I keep the winter ales out for another six weeks or do I, I switch to a lovely spring cider? Mm, cider is good. Oh, I'm happy, very happy with this ale. This is the first one I've tried from the box so far. So I've got like six other kinds of beer to try. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be drinking a lot this month on the show. So Veronica problems. <laughs> All right. Well, now it is time for the Quick Burns. Uh, Dara and Robert both pointed out that Good Omens, the sword and laser book pick from several years back, is coming to Amazon Prime as a limited six-episode TV show. No way! 
with Neil Gaiman as showrunner. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh, I can't wait. How fun is that? Gosh, between this and American Gods, we are know, like right? we are stoked. Be extra blessed. It doesn't say uh, there's there's no word yet on on release dates or anything like that. Uh, but keep your eyes out on Amazon. If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber for the shipping and you didn't know this somehow, you you get access to Amazon Prime Video. So go check it out. Well, what's especially funny is that is, does it say when it's launching? Is it going to launch this year or is it going to be next year? Like does it I say? just said. Oh no! Oh, you did say twenty. Oh. <laughs> any details on the launch no 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 it actually the last line of the article tom says good omens is set to debut rather appropriately in 2018 which is oh, okay. funny right. because Fair that's enough. the year that the book takes place when the apocalypse happens oh well hmm. so okay. that's a thing yeah Very weirdly fitting i sort of hope it gets delayed then <laughs> <laughs> let's push it back more years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Nokomis.fl uh, kicks off the next story. Uh, indie bookstores are booming thanks to Amazon. What's all this about? Yeah, this is a really interesting Market Watch article about how Amazon ran. Okay, and think about it. Going back to the 90s, indie bookstores have been railing against Amazon and their predatory pricing and how they, they drive bookstores out of business. They have driven the borders out of business. You know, they have mm-hmm. driven Barnes and Noble to the cliff's edge to the brink what's happening is that where Barnes and Nobles are, are getting closed or where borders have disappeared. Indie bookstores are moving in and doing well because Amazon makes people well love to read because they get easy access to books, but people still love to browse and they still love to meet other book lovers. They love to talk to booksellers in person and book, Stores are more and more often becoming meeting places with coffee and tea and snacks. Mm-hmm. You know, Borderlands in San Francisco is a perfect example of that. And so a lot of indie bookstores are starting to do better now as this effect starts to roll out. So bookstores nationwide declined by 12 percent from 2012 to last year. But the American Booksellers Association, which is the independent bookstores trade group, has seen membership grow by almost 13 percent in the five years leading up to 2016. So maybe bookstores in general are declining, but independent small bookstores are starting to thrive. Yeah, this is, uh, they're, they're mentioning especially the the quirkier bookstores that have something a little more to offer than just your traditional bookstore experience, like the Lit Bar, for example, which will sell wine in its literary-themed bar, uh, offers much higher profit margins than just books. Uh, Borderlands, for example, the cafe at Borderlands is doing very well and, and supporting a lot of the, the, the business side of the bookstore, uh, but is also very genre-specific, so it has that extra element of being very catered to a certain kind of audience that's looking for a certain kind of experience. They're also able to have events and, and author interviews and, and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's really interesting that the, the different ways that these indie retailers are kind of fitting that niche. Um, and also the uh, chief executive of the ABA, uh, Oren Teacher, says, as the volume of books published increases, the importance of a bookseller that can recommend titles has never been greater. So it's still a fabulous experience to go into a bookstore. 
and say, I liked ABC, like, what can you recommend to me that's going to be along those lines? Uh, you know, algorithms exist out there. You're, you're going to get, if you liked this, you might like this on over on Amazon. But having that in-person experience of being able to talk to someone who understands uh, what's going on in all these stories and, and the background and the authors is, is still a really important aspect. And the margins on bookstores are very low. You don't, you do not make a ton of extra money because, because of costs and, and whatnot. But that said, the independent bookstores tend to want each other to succeed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they, they give the example of when the Queens bookshop initiative announced its launch plans in New York, the Astoria bookshop, which was the sole non-specialty bookshop bookstore in Queens backed the Kickstarter and promoted it on their own account. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome to see that kind of stuff. All right, uh, let's move on to Phil, who said it looks like the producer of Arrival, the, the company 21 Laps, will be making a movie based on Inconstant Moon by Larry Niven. It's one of my favorite Niven stories, says Phil, and I look forward to this. It was previously made into an episode of The Outer Limits in the 1990s. Oh, fantastic. Also the team behind Stranger Things as well. So if that's any indication of the, the quality level of, uh, of this upcoming film, I think that's a, that's a good indicator. That's going to be pretty awesome. In Constant Moon came out in 1971 and is a short story about a couple spending what they think is their last night on Earth together thanks to a catastrophic solar event. Daniel Casey is writing the adaptation. Very different book from Incontinent Moon. <laughs> yes, that is a story about a person who thinks he's going to make it to the bathroom. Nope, not going to happen. And instead, there's an apocalypse. <laughs> it's an apocalypse. Uh, Nicomas.fl uh, posted a story in the Quick Burns that that Tom Tom wanted to take out because Tom. Oh, re oh really? Because really? Tom said it has nothing to do. In public like this? I'm just. It, this is how the sausage gets made, Tom. <laughs> they, they like to hear this stuff. So Tom Tom wanted to take this out. I made a big fuss because it was very important to me. Um, as as many of you have probably already heard by this point. And I think a lot of you listeners out there will care, will find it valuable information in case you haven't heard it. Is that you should get your flu shots. Yes. Oh, wait. No. It's too late for that. If you don't have your flu shot, you're effed. You um, next year's flu shots. <laughs> Peter Capaldi is bowing out from Doctor Who at the end of 2017. This will be the last season of Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. Now, let me make this very clear. The reason I originally suggested we drop this from the lineup is I try to keep the focus of Sword and Laser on science fiction and fantasy books. Mm -hmm. And if we if we don't have one of us doing that, we could drift off in all kinds of crazy directions. Uh, so I try to say like, hey, you know what? There's some interesting, uh, some sad news about Star Trek Discovery. There's some good news about Star Trek Discovery. But guess what? That's a television show and it's not based on a book. That's all. That's the only reason. And some of the listeners out there may be like, Veronica's talking about something that's not book related. I'm like, well, you know, there's there's probably adaptations. There are. Oh, well, yeah, there's tons there's of There's fanfic. This whatever. I don't care. <laughs> fanfic. It's... No, there's 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 a very successful series of books. Yeah. Uh, in the Doctor Who universe. So Okay, there you go. Um I just thought it was I I mean, I can't believe I just I feel like we just went through this who's gonna be the next doctor, like constant yeah. discussion. And they're already, I, well, I Especially because like, there wasn't a Capaldi season this year. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like we've had him for very long. Yeah. And he was a great doctor. Like, I really liked his take on it. Um, I was originally hoping I would love to see a female doctor. 
Um, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed on that. I know a lot of people, you're shaking your head. No, I so want Haley Atwell. I want mm. Haley Atwell as the doctor. I think she'd be amazing as the doctor. Well, it looks like they're already looking at another white dude uh, as the doctor. So that's oh, probably good. what's going to happen. Is it me? It's not you. You're <laughs> not I British I don't enough. want another white dude unless it's me. <laughs> People are like, well, what about a Welsh white dude? I'm like, okay, well, that's a little bit different, Tom I guess. Jones. But that's Doctor Who. There, yeah. Uh, Dara and Silvana both posted about the fact that we will get a Song of Ice and Fire f- from George R. R. Martin as a short story in oh. Gardner Dezoys' The Book of Swords. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a short story called The Sons of the Dragon, a story of Anus One <laughs> and Vagor. <laughs> Megor the Cruel. Is that not how you pronounce that? <laughs> A-E-N. Excuse me, I was choking on my beer a little bit. Um, and this? A-E-N-Y-S. That is yeah. Aedis. It's a, tar- it's a Targaryen story. Of course it is. Uh, fan speculation this will be about the Targaryens is correct. <sighs> Anus. Yeah. Anus one. And this is good. Okay. It's very, it's very tempting to take a pot shot and say, thanks George R. R. Martin, but I really wanted the next book. And the fact of the matter is the way people work, you don't get either or, and he could just choose to write this short story and not share it with us. So I'm glad that he's going to, uh, also David pointed out the same anthology garden choices. Mm, anthologies are always full of really good stuff. Uh, this same anthology will contain Ken Liu's the hidden girl, which was optioned by studio eight last May. That's the story about a team of assassins who are able to navigate between dimensions, dimensional Ooh. assassins. That's cool. That sounds real cool. Oh, so much good TV stuff. And if you guys are listening uh, tomorrow morning from the time that we publish this episode, I forgot that beer when I drink beer on the podcast makes me really burpy. So I have to. Yeah, I have to turn away from the mic to take a breath. We, We feel your pain. That was a chocolate rain joke. I turned my that head from the mic to take a breath. Joke? That was a chocolate rain joke. That's your idea of a chocolate rain joke. That was a literally a chocolate rain joke. No, I know. I get it. What he says in I the totally video. I totally get it. Yeah. In the subtitles. So are we going to make a Mahir I kiss you joke next? I kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> is that how that meme goes? How old is chocolate rain? Is it 10 years old? I interviewed Taizan Day in 2006. Seven? One it's of my about, first Mahalo Daily episodes was after Chocolate Rain. So I feel like that was like 2005. Eight or nine years then, yeah. Yeah. Wow. He looks like he hasn't aged a day. No, he he has a picture of himself in an attic somewhere aging because he does not age. He's like he's definitely the Dorian Gray of the YouTube generation. Yeah. The picture of Tazon Day. <gasps> that would be a really funny short, short story. story. Yeah. Someone please write that. Oh, my God. That would be so us. funny. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, I broke uh, the hidden girl, Ken Liu, dimensional assassins. Sounds awesome. That's the end of the quick burns. All right. Thank you, everybody, for submitting your stories to the quick burns. You can find the thread to do that over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser. We check them out every single week and add them to the lineup. All right. Well, now it is time for bear your sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Adam H. writes, hello, Veronica and Tom. Love the show. One of the few I support via Patreon. Thank you. Well, Adam, we are honored. On a recent episode of Cord Killers, 
Tom mentioned a service called Side Reel. Wait, why why are you know. laughing already at the mention because, of cord killers? Well, because I imagine there's some people who are like, what's that? Uh, it's another show I do with Brian Brushwood about cutting the cord and watching TV shows and movies where I very clearly focus on not books. And if we try to bring up a book, <laughs> I remove it from Okay, I see. You're, you're just in the interest of keeping your show separate and, and unique. I get it. I, Anyway, uh, Adam's blowing that all to heck with this email. He says, on a recent episode of Cord Killers, Tom mentioned a service called Side Reel. I got this app and love it, but would like something like it for book authors. So Side Reel tracks my shows and then alerts me when they come back on the air or come back to Netflix or whatever That's when there's cool. a new season. Yeah. Uh, Adam says, Goodreads doesn't seem to have a way of tracking upcoming releases. Amazon does for stuff from authors I've previously purchased, but I'd like to add a list of authors to track. Uh, so I did a little look around. I have no idea if these sites are any good. I've not tried them, but I found two that promised to do just that. There's tracknewbook.com, which does new book notification by author, subject, or keyword. Uh, and there's authoralerts.com. And they both let you put in your author, and then they'll either send you, an, in one case, RSS, and in, and in both cases, email, uh, when there is a new book from those authors. I am a little dubious of tracknewbook.com for two reasons. Okay. First reason... Mm, they're kind of the same reason. At the footer of this website, it contains a link to Delicious and Stumble Upon. And Delicious and Stumble Upon. Very so old services not that not a lot of people link to anymore. Though it does say that the uh, the website is 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 mostly, you know, 2006, copyright 2000, 2016 rather. Um, so that's hopeful. That's only you know, just last, this past year. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's worth a shot. I think that'd be fun to fun to test out. I think that would be a good bot idea, actually, if you could have a bot that would scrape this kind of data and, and send it to you automatically. Um, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like I said, these are two that I found with a Google search. Uh, the odd thing about tracknewbook.com, which you're right, uh, does look like it's been around for a while, uh, is that it was written up three or four years ago in a, in a, an article, uh, on techtimes.com about ways to find out about new books. So anyway, uh, be careful with any site that you don't know. Don't give it any personal information, but it looks like both of these just want your email address. So if you've got an email address, you're willing uh, to share with folks and don't mind risking a little spam. Uh, I'm not saying they will send you spam, but you want to be careful about that. Otherwise they're not asking for credit card information or anything weird like that. We also have a post from Matthew over on the Goodreads, uh, sci-fi and fantasy magazines. Anyone subscribe? Can you give me a rundown? He says, so I noticed that I can subscribe to some genre fiction magazines on my Kindle. They all seem to be about $2.99 a month, but there is almost a dozen at first glance. Anyone subscribe to any? Can anyone give a synopsis of the type of stories each one focuses on? Here's what I found so far. For sci-fi, Clark's World Magazine, Lightspeed Magazine, Apex Magazine, Asimov Science Fiction, Analog Science Fiction and Fact, Fantasy and Science Fiction, and Nebula Rift. And for fantasy, New Realm and Apex Magazine. Um, I can say off the top of my head that 
I Clark's World, Lightspeed, Apex, Asimov's. Uh, I have read all of those, and they're all excellent, and they all have a good like range of short stories and, and articles and and all sorts of really cool stuff. Uh, fantasy, New Realm has been around for a long time, and Apex Magazine, as I mentioned, very popular. I think you're probably like. <laughs> I mean, any one of these would be, uh, I think, probably a pretty good investment. Yeah, and there's lots of folks in the uh, the thread here giving their own impressions. Uh, in fact, Ben did a great breakdown of each one of these magazines and, and what you can find inside. And that can kind of help narrow it down if you're looking for particular kinds of stories. But like you say, analog is – I remember analog being on the grocery store shelf when, when I was a kid uh, – you know, actually, now that I think about it, Analog and Asimov were always on the grocery store shelf in the checkout line, and my mother would never buy them. Really? You had she, you lived in a place where you had that? They were never in the checkout line when I grew were up. In the IGA. What? <laughs> not in a Kroger, but in the IGA, in the checkout line. And I would always be like, can we buy it? And my mom's like, I'm not wasting money on that pulp. She would buy me real books, like science fiction books were fine. But she she considered magazines to be below. And that's so not true. It's so unfair. I I started getting affected like, oh, I don't want to read those. They're lowbrow. And they're not. They're great stories in there. That's unfair. Like at Stop and Shop when I was a kid, the only (laughs) the only genre magazine we had was was uh, Weekly World News. <laughs> Which is a genre magazine. Basically, it's a, basically a genre magazine. I remember magazine. following the adventures of Bat Boy for many years. Bat Boy, found in cave. Have I told <laughs> you the story about how Bat Boy, they did a play about Bat Boy? And the I've star, heard about the, play. the yeah. Bat Boy, was an Emerson alum. Oh, okay. That's yeah, your college. Yeah, he, he was like, a, yeah, that's that's my my college, and he was a uh, like a couple years older than me. Um, but I always thought that was really cool because Bat Boy was like, I used to have the Bat Boy covers like all over my room. I was a creepy kid. I was I a creepy bought, weird kid. I bought every Bat Boy that came out in Weekly World News if, for a certain stretch in the 90s. Like I would go to the grocery store. If it wasn't Bat Boy, I didn't buy it. Um, but he showed up in Austin. And when I was living in Austin. <gasps> Wait, what like, do you mean? He, oh, he, like, like he, in the articles, he shows up in Austin. I'm like, where? And then it named a park. And I'm like, that park doesn't exist. Oh. <laughs> There's no such park. And then you're like, or was there? And then you're like, the next logical thing is there's no such bad boy. No, it was that must have been a misprint. Ah, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I love. I, I have. Uh, I, I prefer to have the physical copies of magazines like these because they have amazing art and just like great covers. And I, I love magazines personally. Um, but I have. I have subscribed to some of these in the past on Kindle, and it was fine. Yeah. So if you're if you're willing to, some of them have trials too. Like you can test them out for a month, I think, or something. Um, I've done that before too. So yeah, check it out. I think it's a, a worthy thing to to look into more deeply. And then our final thread here today is from Rob Secundus. And to be honest, I don't remember what we said. <laughs> Me either. Was, Thank you. <laughs> he was catching up <laughs> on old sword and lasers. Uh, he was behind from December and January. And he said, one recent discussion really bothered me, that concerning the usefulness of science fiction and the less apparent usefulness of fantasy. And he, he makes a very compelling case that literature doesn't need to be useful. He says the idea that literature should have a use is an old one and a common one, particularly in America. And this idea is pretty related to the stigma against science fiction and fantasy. The TLDR is that frivolity is bad. And so one should focus on reading, improving literature that might increase your virtue, knowledge, godliness, etc. Uh, he 
says a lot more and it's worth reading. Go into the Goodreads thread and find it. But he says, making stuff that is gratuitous, that is useless, but that is in itself true slash good slash beautiful is the most human thing we can do. At I least. don't think that's, that's what, what we I were think saying. David Jones is saying. He, uh, it may be kind, of, and he and he says, "Look, it kind of looks like I'm accusing Tom and Veronica of preparing us all for our fascistic trisolarian overlords, which I'm not. I'm just saying that the impulse to look for uses for literature can be oriented in a dangerous direction. This is fantasy novel is useless, and thus it is awesome," he says. I so I've read this. And my my initial reaction was, and I know you're not, I, Rob. I, I it's fine. It's you are totally allowed to to have this opinion, but like my gut instinct was like, I don't think that's what we meant. And I had a really hard time kind of remembering. I, I never go back and listen to old episodes because I hate hearing myself. Um, but I but I really felt like the intent of what we were saying was not that you shouldn't read frivolous things or that things that without like some larger meaning aren't worth reading. I think more what we meant was that with science fiction, we're, there's ideas that we, we tend to take from it as, as, a, as a species that end up sometimes being, becoming real, becoming reality, or being, becoming science fact. And we were trying to figure out like what the parallel to fantasy is, and yeah. if that's more like humanistic in nature, or telling I- bigger stories about people and relationships or like, you know, I mean, surely science fiction can do that as well, but it's not that they're not important or have no value or are frivolous. It's more, or one is more frivolous than the other. It's just, yeah, I'm having trouble articulating myself. If I remember, if I remember right. (laughs) And if I have what Rob is responding to, right. And I apologize, Rob, if I don't have it right, he's responding to our discussion of why is there such a thing as hard sci-fi, mm-hmm. but not fantasy? We were we were talking along those lines, and that's where we were talking about like, yeah, well, science fiction, you know, you're you're talking about the improvement of the species, and you're looking forward and and and, and speculating what are the great things that humanity can do, and and how does fantasy compare to that? Is there an analog in fantasy? Right. And I think what happened with Rob, and again, I don't really remember what we said, so it's hard to to really analyze it well. But I think what happened is we as humans all hear questions as statements. So when you say, is that what you're going to wear, right? Mm. It's taken as you're that you shouldn't wear that, right? When it's 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 like when when we ask, you know, why do people drive so fast? It's not because we actually want to find out why they drive fast. It's because we're complaining that people drive too fast, right? And so sometimes when we actually mean questions like, why isn't there such a thing as hard fantasy? Or is there such a thing as hard fantasy? It can be, it can sound like we're condemning it in that way of why do people drive so fast? When really what we're saying is, huh, why do people drive so fast? You know, and and I think I feel like, it, from what I remember of that conversation, it was more of a, is there an analog to what we have in sci-fi? Not saying sci-fi is better, but saying in science fiction, you have this idea of hard sci-fi, yeah. you know, of, of, of a utilitarian nature to it. And is there something that is, is there hard fantasy, right? Is, mm-hmm. is there something, or is, is it by nature an entirely different thing? It was more least, of a, to me, it was more of a thought exercise than, really, yeah, than yeah. anything else. Um, so sorry, sorry if it came off that way. I, 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 that definitely wasn't our intent. And I all, am also sorry that we can't remember what we, what we said specifically, because even though that was dry January, apparently our memories are, are very <laughs> short. 
And uh, and the other thing I could say, just because I'm argumentative and I can always take the other side of an argument, is even what Rob is saying is useless reading is useful because it has the purpose of relaxing you or celebrating humanity. Just just the idea that being able to read something useless and say this is what makes us human, this is what separates us from the other animals could be considered the value in it, could be considered the use. And I just want to say, because I'm feeling salty now, <laughs> yeah, Rob, take that to me. I don't know, I just like but making those sounds. The 100% thing I will say is uh, well thought out post, Rob, very thought provoking, and I appreciate you sharing the thoughts. I appreciate you. You loyal. <laughs> I aggressively appreciate you. That was my, that was my um, DJ Khaled. Impression. Ah, got it. Who Eileen yeah. got me into on Snapchat because I'm still an old. Him? I still follow him. I just don't go on Snapchat. No. <laughs> All right. Well, now it is time for our book of the month discussion. Um, for February, we are picking The Salt Roads by Nalo Hopkinson. And uh, I'm really excited about this one. It's been on my to read list for a really long time. And, and she's actually been on the blog before. She did a great interview with us um, back when back when uh, The Salt Roads and uh, Skin Folk came out as eBooks for the very first time on Open Road Media. Um, she was she did a great email interview with us and, and we, we super appreciated that. So I'm, I'm just super excited to dig into this one. Uh, so we're not gonna do, um, we ha- I haven't started it yet, but Tom, you did start it. And, yeah, and I'm like 18% in, it's really good. It's good, okay. Uh, yeah. I, we did find out that there is potentially some more salacious material I guess we could say. Well, okay. There's a, there's a few things you need to know going in with Nala Hopkinson. Uh, she was born in Jamaica, uh, raised in, uh, both, uh, parts of, uh, Trinidad and Toronto, Canada, and now lives in Riverside, California, where she's a, an English and Latin, uh, or I'm sorry, she's a professor of creative writing, uh, and her father taught English and Latin. Uh, so she writes, very well. <laughs> she she is an incredible writer. She constructs her stories to poetic form. Uh, she draws on the mythology of multiple cultures uh, and tries to infuse the slave experiences with magical realism, fantasy, and science fiction. So first of all, if you're expecting a straight-on genre novel, you're not going to get it. Uh, There's arguments over whether it should be considered genre, and if so, what genre? Should it be speculative fiction? Should it be magical realism? Should it be science fiction? Uh, It's all of those. So, So be warned if you're like, I just want a wizard novel. That's definitely not what you're going to get. But you're going to get a really great story that's told through the eyes of the fertility goddess Lazarin and three women whose lives become intertwined with her consciousness at different points in time. So there's a really cool sci-fi fantasy aspect to this. The other thing that Veronica was just uh, acknowledging is she writes uh, explicit sex scenes and – that is, I that is not bad. They're really good. They're really well written. But we know, like, just like with graphic violence, uh, certain people are like mm, not my thing to read. So that's another thing to know going in. 
Um, I wanted to also point out that I used a, a word just now. I said salacious, and salacious definitely has negative connotations in, in, in terms of, of sexual content as being more like por pornographic and obscene. That is not the word I was going for. I meant more like sexual content. Um, so yeah. if you if you read a, a negative connotation to that, that was my fault for using the wrong word. I didn't intend that at all. Um, I just wanted to make sure that people who are not necessarily comfortable with that kind of content be aware that there is some, some more explicit scenes within the book, allegedly. I, I mean, I, I'm not allegedly. Why am I using all the wrong words? Uh, this is what happens <laughs> you when you don't drink yet. for an yeah, entire month the and then you take so a beer. Not, yeah, you're not speaking from your own experience. I'm not. Uh, yeah, and, and that's fine. It's there, you know, there, there's some, some poop and other bodily fluids. All right. Like that kind of stuff shows up and, and not, not, not in the sex scenes necessarily either. I just realized that I sort of accidentally implied that, but these, these are scenes of real life. That's, that's what you have to be prepared for. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this pick and, uh, yeah, I would love to actually talk to the author again about, about the story sometime, maybe after we finish, uh, I know yeah. we don't normally do author interviews while we're reading the book because it can sometimes, you know, tate our opinion or like, you know, change the way we, we discuss the book. So I want to try to keep that separate. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this one and it's a short month. It's not necessarily a short book. It's a little bit shorter than three body problem. Um, but you've got two fewer days, so it should work out perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And don't, don't take all of, uh, we just spent way too much time talking about the smallest aspect of this book. What, what is amazing about this book is the characterizations. Mm -hmm. Uh, you get to know people very quickly. Uh, it's got historical, uh, 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 elements to it. Uh, the, there's a woman in Paris who is the second character you meet of the three. Uh, she is the lover of Baudelaire, uh, oh, so, wow. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's just beautiful, beautifully written in a way that draws you into feeling what these characters are feeling. So, so I highly recommend it. And we also now have a final wrap up of the three body problem, um, which we read last month in January. Uh, I don't have too much more to add to this, though. I was really amazed by there's gonna be spoilers in this discussion, by the way, of the three body problem, in case you haven't finished yet. Um, I, I kind of it did it did definitely get very hard sci fi at the end in in certain parts, um, specifically the discussion of the, the dimensionality of the, of the protons that they were sending to, to earth essentially to disrupt our technology development. That whole section was kind of a, 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 you know, difficult portion for me because I'm like, okay, this is very expository. It's very like just going into the science in a huge way. And, and I'm, I'm losing part of the, the, the plot development here a little bit for me. Um, but what I did love was the parallel between the Trisolarans and and the Earthers, Earth, Earthers um, experiences and, and how they reacted to the first contact uh, via the, the, the radio signals in a very similar way. And I thought that was kind of a, a, a clever juxtaposition between these two species, in effect, um, and, and how even though they are so different in, in so many different ways, the, the responses to the, the same kind of situations were, were similar. Yeah, I think one of the brilliances of Shashin Lu in this is his ability to take you from what at the beginning feels like a historical novel, 
the Salt Roads is going to feel like a historical novel at the beginning and, and pretty much maintains that. Uh, however, Three Body Problem by the end is a almost, I don't want to say cartoonish, but like it's so alien that it's it's there's some humor in the way that the leader is reacting to people when they are talking to him about the tests and it is entirely divorced from the cultural revolution and Mao and, Mm -hmm. and the red guard and, and all of that, that you forget you're in the same book when you're talking about the particular thing about sending the protons and coming up with the one dimensional particles and the, the one particle that is going to forever be hanging in the air, but can't really be seen. I found that stuff fascinating. I love that stuff. I love that physics. And I know you knew that I would like that because Mm -hmm. that's just my jam. Uh, I can see where if you don't like it as much, it doesn't really move the plot along that much. Uh, so it was, it was, it kind of depends on on how much you're interested in that field. I think whether you're going to like that section, but oh, I just thought yeah, well done. I'm no dummy. I, I I like I know technology. I didn't say no. I said how much you like. I I like that stuff. I just I think in this book, my favorite discussions were about the people. I think. And I and I really liked the the yeah. I mean that that just wasn't my favorite part of this book and I felt like it took an awful large portion of the book especially in the second half. Certainly. Yeah. But overall, I, I really did like it. But I, come I didn't on. a single particle in one dimension just always floating through the air forever. I still don't really understand how it's going to I, I mean, I guess I do understand how it's going to affect our technology because we'll all be like, "That's that's the tur- that's the turkey. That's that's basically the um, yeah. that whole well, thing that right part, there is that that's what what I talked about in the first couple episodes of the show." I think that part is left a little vague on purpose too. Mm-hmm. We'll probably learn more about that in the second book. Yeah, maybe. Um, I've heard the the second and third books are are amazing as well. So if you're if you loved the story and want to continue reading, um, those are out and uh, apparently phenomenal as well. Well, overall, it was a book that started interesting and finished amazing for me. So I'm really glad we read it. Barack Obama said the scope of it was immense. So that was fun to read, partly because my day to day problems with Congress seem fairly petty. Barack Obama said that. that about that. He's a big, he was a big reader. He, well, he still is probably a big reader. He's not dead. <laughs> He's probably more of a reader now. <laughs> probably got a little extra time on his hands. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was a funny little, little takeaway. Uh, well, maybe uh, we can get him on the show now that he's got the extra time. Yeah, maybe. I heard he's going into VC, so maybe we'll get some contacts in common. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, as as we mentioned, we're excited to uh, kick off The Salt Roads by Nalo Hopkinson as our February book pick. So definitely check that out. It's available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Um, our show is entirely funded by our patrons. Uh, so thank you to all the folks who back us. Head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser to learn more. Big thank you to all the people who support us, including Katie Gross. Jay Johnson and Dan Griffin. You guys rock. Thanks for supporting Sword and Laser. Uh, You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can get in touch with us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. That domain works if you just want to visit our our website as well, swordandlaser.com. You can follow all of our discussions over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser and call and leave us a voicemail at 4157sword6. We'll see you next time. Bye.
This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.